Would you recognize an orgasm if you didn't call it one? And did you know becoming orgasmic is absolutely essential for your well-being and health? In today's podcast, I want to talk about becoming orgasmic. Hi, I'm Dr. Neelima Deshpande, and this is V for Vagina, the podcast that dispels myths and misunderstandings about the vagina and empowers women to embrace their sexual energy, vitality, and well-being. Imagine you're at the top of a Ferris wheel. You're at a fair, you've had an amazing time, and you're in the basket at the top of the Ferris wheel. And just as it's about to tip over, you feel your heart rate shoot. You feel your mouth go dry and the excitement that fills your body and you stretch your arms out as the Ferris wheel then swings forward and you can see the the whole fair, see all the little people there and as the ground comes whooshing up to you, there's this surge of energy in, in your whole body. What if I told you becoming orgasmic can feel like you're falling from a Ferris wheel? Most women don't know how to orgasm. Yet, they're also conditioned by society on whether they should and shouldn't orgasm. In many of my courses, uh, where I teach my clients how to orgasm, I call them orgasm graduates because it's very similar. When you graduate or if you're studying something, you start with a vocabulary. Then you learn how to build words and sentences. And then before you know it, you're writing a dissertation. And becoming orgasmic can be very similar. You begin with your vocabulary, you start to learn the words, you understand your body, and before you know it, you can have orgasms on command. And I want to help you understand through this podcast that you can also learn to become orgasmic and why it's important that you do learn how to become orgasmic. See, in evolution, men and women orgasm differently. It's a bit like the apple. You don't need an apple to stay healthy, but sometimes you choose to eat an apple. Orgasms are similar for women. You've got a choice. See, men don't have a choice. If they don't get an erection and they don't orgasm, it's a question of living or dying. Yeah. If a man doesn't orgasm and ejaculate, pretty much he's not going to propagate his genes. For ancient humans, that's a little bit like dying. Not just you, but your entire generations coming after you. For women, it doesn't really matter because you'll ovulate and you can get pregnant whether or not you orgasm. What mattered for women was the bonding that happened with the right man. And that's why there is something called an orgasm gap, which means women take longer to orgasm. And if you look at current media, they're all about the hype of, oh, women need to orgasm just as men. And I'm saying, well, no, go back to evolution. There's a reason women take longer to orgasm because the bonding that happens with the person you have great sex with and who you orgasm with is the relationship you invest in. And although for most women, orgasm is not necessary to get pregnant, who you build your life with does matter. You don't want to be emotionally attached to somebody who's going to leave you afterwards. So in a way, delaying orgasms works very well for women who then learn and find out who they want to continue a relationship 
for companionship with, not just for pregnancy. Our priorities have changed as society has changed and families have become smaller and we put a lot of weight on the kids. But if you imagine women like 200,000 years ago, they lived in tribes. Babies happened. They grew up and the tribe took care of them. But the bonding that happened between a man and a woman depended on her ability to connect with him and be supported by him and the rest of the tribe. Women didn't naturally bond with all the men they had sex with. It was just a few, or maybe only one. So what is an orgasm? An orgasm is actually a physical, bodily experience. It's a felt experience, but it actually takes place in the brain. The physical response involves repeated contractions and relaxations of the pelvic floor, increased lubrication, excess, increased blood flow around the clitoris and the vulva, contraction and relaxation of the muscles of the body, sweating, flush, call it an orgasm flush, erection of the nipples. This is a physical response to orgasm. The mental response, the brain response to orgasm is a little bit like going into trance. All of the chemicals that flood the brain remove all of the past and the future and the body and the mind sort of becomes aligned so that you're in the present moment. It's like going into a trance state. I want you to remember an incident that many of us have watched in a film called Harry Met Sally. And in that particular film, Sally's sitting at a table in a restaurant and she shows Harry what an orgasm, that experiencing orgasm would be like. And, and on the neighboring table, a woman says, oh, I'll have what she's having, completely missing the point that it wasn't the food that made her orgasmic. It was her thoughts. It was her brain. And what she was doing was tapping into her previous experiences of orgasms. So why should you orgasm? It gives you a whole lot of stress relief. The physical contractions and relaxations of the muscles, the increased blood flow gives you stress relief. It triggers the release of oxytocin, which is an amazing hormone. Oxytocin, by the way, is not just a bonding hormone or a love hormone. It's also a neurochemical. Oxytocin helps blood vessels to relax. It lowers your blood pressure. It calms your mind down. So many amazing effects throughout the body you're much more likely to fall in love with the person you have an orgasm with. So there's a psychological boost. You're more likely to see that person in a positive light. As an individual, when you've orgasmed, you see the world in a rosy glow. You're happier. Your communication with your partner is a lot better. You almost come alive. You're so much more present. And in your everyday life, you probably learn how to be more present in everything you do. When you're happier, the world's a happier place. So what stops people from having orgasms? What stops women from having orgasms or even trying out orgasms? For most of us, it's the taboo, the socio-cultural taboo of embracing our sexuality, our genitals, learning how to masturbate and find out what leads to our orgasms. In fact, one of the reasons we're having this podcast is because we want to take the ooh out of the taboo of orgasms. <laughs> There's a whole lot of expectations in relationships as well. Men expect women to orgasm at the same time as they do. And we've learned just now that there's a gap. And that leads to a lot of women faking their orgasms. And when they fake their orgasms, they lose out 
on what the real orgasm might feel like. Having relationship stress, you know, needing to perform in a certain way, having financial stress, arguments, relatives, all of this can stop you from experiencing orgasms because you're in your head most of the time. The anger and resentment can accumulate and stop you engaging with the body. And not engaging with the body stops the felt experience of becoming orgasmic. And remember what I said at the beginning? Sometimes you can't describe your experience as an orgasm because it's not called an orgasm. You know, like the fall from the Ferris wheel? The only way you can remember an experience like that is if you felt it in your body. If you have anger, resentment, anxiety and fear in your head, most of the time you don't feel your body. Other reasons could be illness or surgery, stuff that raises your anxiety levels or dampens your experience of your body or enjoyment if you're in pain a lot. If you suffer with diabetes or high blood pressure, it affects the vascularity and the nervous system and stops you feeling different sensations. Certain medications can be dampeners, particularly antidepressants or certain medicines used in psychiatric problems. Excessive dryness, uh, medicines that we use for bladder conditions can also cause you to dampen your experience of your body and of orgasm. I remember a friend of mine who suffered with breast cancer. And everything went well. She was treated and she was recovering. And I was really struck by a question she asked me. She says, Doctor, when I become intimate with my partner, is it okay to orgasm? Will the hormones released during an orgasm make me get my breast cancer again? I was stunned because I didn't understand that a simple thing like an orgasm or having an orgasm or not having one could affect somebody's quality of life so much and worry them so much that they held themselves back from enjoying intimacy with their partner because of the fear of cancer coming back. See, your genitals are yours and they feel and you can experience things irrespective of, you know, structural damage and surgery. We know for sure that women who undergo any kind of damage to their genitals, whether it's to the clitoris or the vulva or the vagina, when the area is reconstructed, they can get back to becoming orgasmic 70 to 80% of the time, which is a huge, huge relief. Because once again, we know that the body experience is also felt in the brain. The orgasm is first felt in the brain. The genitals are only a trigger. So what is it about the clitoris? that helps somebody have a great orgasm. The clitoris, believe it or not, is an organ gifted only to the female of our species that is dedicated to pleasure. It has no other role except pleasure. And the clitoris that's felt on the outside is really a deep tissue. It extends all the way around behind the skin of the labia on either side of the entrance to the vagina and the erotic tissue even circles the urethra all the way up the anterior wall of the vagina. I've talked in great detail about great physical health and I'll talk about it again. Great physical health, great nutrition, movement encourages great vascular health and great vascular health is really important for great sexual health. Athletes have 30% more clitoral blood flow than non-athletes. 
if they know how to use their erogenous zones properly, they probably have better orgasms and arousal than people who are not athletes. The other predictor of great orgasms is having a partner you can communicate well with, that you can tell what to do so that you can have a great orgasm. A partner gets turned on by seeing you aroused and having your climaxes and orgasms. A partner who can do what you ask him to do is your best predictor of a great orgasm. Couples who are invested in mutual pleasure, who are willing to educate themselves about what their partners like and don't like, are much more likely to have great orgasms. Letting go of myths and misunderstandings about what orgasms mean. I want to tell you about a patient of mine who came to me and saying, Doctor, I'm really afraid to have an orgasm. I look at my husband and every time he ejaculates, he turns over and goes to sleep. And I'm just left like that. I don't want to have that kind of orgasm. Where once I've orgasmed, I'm not interested in having sex anymore. I thought, oh my God, here we go again. Learning about mutual pleasure is so important. So I had to educate her partner about how not to turn over and go to sleep and invest in a little bit of afterplay as well. But I had to address this client's issues and tell her, well, your orgasm is very different to a man's. Women can have multiple orgasms, like waves. Imagine standing on the beach and you're walking and your feet buried in the sand. As you look at the waves, you feel a wave come and splash against your feet. You don't hold on to waves, do you? No, just let it go. And then the next wave comes and splashes over your feet and you smile. And then the next one comes and it goes away. And then the next one comes and your orgasms can be like that as well. In fact, did you know that now artificial intelligence is combined with vibrators, which are learning instruments about your orgasms, there's actually three different kinds of orgasms you can experience. The ocean wave, the volcano, and the something like, you know, a cascade. Different kinds of orgasms depending on how your pelvic floor behaves and the kind of sensations that wash over you. So it's really important to know your body. It's not that masturbating gives you better orgasms, but it does make you much more capable of communicating what you want so you can be orgasmic. Recognizing your orgasmic platforms and building on them, building on those memories of amazing body sensations. Remember what Esther Perel says, your intimate relationship is actually being built between the last orgasm and the next sexual encounter. It doesn't finish there. So building an amazing relationship outside the bedroom, investing in intimacy, physical intimacy, intellectual intimacy, emotional intimacy is so important. Finding ways to fall in love with your partner again and being grateful, understanding your love languages. And if you're menopausal, getting some vaginal estrogen and understanding the difference between libido and desire. Yes, as your testosterone levels go down, it is likely that your libido will go down. You can train it up by doing weight-bearing exercises, by lowering your stress levels, by investing in your ability to experience orgasms making sure you stimulate your clitoris regularly to keep your clitoral health, doing your pelvic floor exercises, getting some vaginal estrogen, and enjoying your sexual encounters. And most importantly, of course, is getting your health right, getting your vitality right, getting your waist circumference under 32 inches, managing your diabetes and high blood pressure, managing your lipid levels, 
nourishing every cell of your body so that you really, really feel alive, mobile, energized. Moving your body so that you're fit. A fit body has much better orgasms. Just like my, one of my orgasm graduates. <laughs> she learned how to become orgasmic. And I saw her maybe three months. She was in a new relationship. She was 42, looking to be in a new relationship. She'd been divorced. And she'd had a struggle with relearning how to enjoy her body over the previous five years. And she was in a new relationship now. When I saw her, I knew that she knew exactly what it meant to become orgasmic. Her eyes were bright and sparkling. She'd become thin, fit, toned. She talked about her partner with animation. She'd been promoted in her job because she was showing up so excited and present. It really reminded me that day, you know, the way Shakespeare says, to be loved and to love in return is truly an amazing gift. And I was seeing this woman who was totally in love with herself and with life. And that's what made becoming orgasmic for her truly possible. It also transformed her health, how she was willing to invest in herself. So, for sure, an apple a day can keep a doctor away. But <laughs> if your doctor's handsome and you want to be with him, sod the apple and have an orgasm instead. Who do you know could benefit from becoming orgasmic? Remember to like, subscribe and share this podcast with whoever you think needs to hear it. If you'd like to talk to me one-on-one -on -one for a personal consultation, get in touch with me via my website www.drnilima.com and you'll find a button there where you can click and book a slot with me. And I'll be sure to respond to any of your queries. Thank you. Disclaimer. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's or listener's own risk. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.